the IBM Cloud Podcast, coming to you every show with information about new capabilities and releases. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the IBM Cloud Podcast. We are hosts from the offerings team here at IBM Cloud. My name is Ian Lynch. And this is Steve Shoket. And today we have as our guest someone who has been here before, Adam Aretlicker. And Adam is, an, is the director of the Watson Offering Management Team. Now, Adam, last time you were here, which was, I think, last fall, your podcast was our number one listened podcast. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to raise the bar really, really high to you. I, I, I kind of expect, you know, you, you, only, you only had 3,300 plus views. Only so, 3,300 So we're going to try huh? to do a little bit better than that this time. Uh, so I'm going to ask you tougher questions, and we'll see. You know, everybody sure. will watch you squirm, and that'll be just Well, they'll what hear we me squirm. They won't watch me squirm. <laughs> so uh, last time you told us that you were – that, that – um, Artificial intelligence for you meant augmented intelligence. You said that, you know, computers would provide the guidance to like doctors and lawyers and others. But, you know, those people would actually make the end decision. The computer wouldn't make the decision for your doctor. But, you know, we did promise you to bring you back and talk about this thing in your title. You're the director of horizontal apps, which Ian and I had no clue what that meant. So we're going to ask you there. Absolutely. So I'll start by just saying, what is a horizontal app? <clears throat> because there's a lot of there's a lot of people that ask that question, and they go, "Well, what do we even mean by that?" It shows on the top of the architecture charts as a, as a specific layer. When we refer to horizontal apps, we talk about application experiences that are focused at some end user. So there's some end user that is using an end-to-end -end experience. The application itself is cross-domain. It's cross-industry, and it's pre-trained and extensible with Watson data kits. And many of you who are at Think saw, probably saw and heard a number of presentations on Watson data kits. They're meant to be pre-packaged kits of content that are enriched using Watson that deliver on some intrinsic value to a solution. So there were sessions that think on a travel concierge kit, for example, as well as a kit for restaurant tours that we're looking to launch that have, you know, that have that we've ingested thousands and thousands of restaurant menus. These are the types of kits that would be consumed by a horizontal application in order to deliver on either domain or industry value to the end users. So, uh, um, so a restaurant, someone writing a restaurant app might suck in all of the menus so that they can get a feel for how to start training something. Exactly, and I think a good example of this that I think a lot of people could probably bridge to is like, you know, if you're a restaurateur and you're looking to, for example, find items on a menu for a, a restaurant that might be in a different area, for example, that may be the same cuisine. This is a this is actually a way to help, you know, navigate through that process and and frankly, figure out what to perhaps offer to your clientele. That's just one of many examples. There are frankly probably better examples than that one, but that is an example. Okay. okay, so essentially what we're saying is we're changing business literally all over the place in terms of using it in this way, Adam, with horizontal, meaning more than just one, right? So we have clients that are using it very successfully, and everything that you're really alluding to means that we're not just taking one particular piece of AI and implementing it, right? We're taking it as a bigger overall, I guess, solution for want of a better word. It's when we bundle all these amazing capabilities up to create this thing. So let's stick with the example of the restaurant, right? They're not going to just use one, let's say, cognitive service. They're going to use multiple, right? Or exactly. different pieces. Okay, so where are we really seeing the success with it in that 
let's talk, let's talk specifically about today and what we see our clients doing today with it. So why don't we talk a little bit about <clears throat> some of the some of the the use cases that we have for apps sure. for this application concept. So a really good one is frankly one that we that we discussed and we and we frankly announced at Think, which is really Watson Compare and Comply, right? Which really fits into my umbrella as well on the offering management team. Watson Compare and Comply is targeted at, again, it's targeted at end users, right? We have this, we have this um, archetype persona that we've <clears throat> named Ernesto. And Ernesto could be a paralegal, Ernesto could be a procurement specialist, Ernesto could even be a business analyst. But what Ernesto is really trying to do, Ernesto is trying to you know, essentially look at a contract, understand a contract, understand a regulation. They have some task that they're trying to solve in the contract, let's call it the general contract compliance space or a regulatory compliance space. So for example, and Ernesto is trying to figure out what are the ramifications on a contract if it is terminated on a particular date, okay? So what we have announced and what we launched with SAP and specifically SAP Ariba at Think is a solution that is using SAP Ariba as the glass, the user experience, where that Ernesto can log in and frankly determine very quickly a, a bit of cause and effect, right? So if a contract is terminated, what are the ramifications? SAP is going to be evolving to many more use cases across many more domains, right? So for example, what if there is a breach of confidentiality? What are the ramifications of that, right? That, that's just an example of how this technology is being used in the wild today um, that, you know, that, that, we, that, that our clients are getting value from. I mean, I can give other examples as well in the customer care space, but that's, that's, yeah, that, that's just an example. So let's, let's, take, let's take IBM specifically over just for one second, Adam, right? If we're looking about this AI space and cognitive space in general, we see the predictions, right? And we understand where it's going in business, but over the next five years, it's it's gonna explode, right? But where do you see the big pieces or where do, the, where do you see the fundamental starting points from today? It's I'm assuming it's starting to build up this small solution, getting yourself up and going and how to grow this. Is, is that a fair statement? That is absolutely a fair statement. So, you know, there's been a lot of research that's been done by a lot of firms, you know, IDC, our own MD&I team, Gartner, Forrester, et cetera. And predominantly, if you look across the world, the top industries or the top market opportunity that we look at and the top industries are adopting AI are really banking, healthcare and life sciences, the public sector, e.g. government, um, as well as retail. Okay, those are really the top four. The adoption patterns that we classically see for clients are you, you really have to pick a... You pick a you pick an area of focus per se that you want to make more efficient and effective, right? In my last podcast, I spoke about how AI is all about augmenting human intelligence. That's exactly what this is about. So what we've done in Watson, we've worked with a lot of clients on implementing AI or infusing AI within their workflows, within client workflows. And what we've created are these Watson business solutions that are really focused around a specific set of key scenarios, such as expert assist, voice of customer, 
compliance assist and whatnot. But what they are are, think of them as pre-packaged solution proofs that are intended to be used in a productive capacity, but they allow clients to get started much faster. Got it. So the message will be really right. So you talked about these top four industries who have already adopted it. They're going to adopt it. It's happening. So anyone who's not in those industries, Adam, and is listening now should be thinking, going, right, I need to get ahead of this curve. It's going to happen. It's inevitable, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> artificial intelligence overall, I think it's just very important for everyone to internalize that it's for a business. It's a means to an end, right? I mean, it really is. It's not the end all be all. You have to have an application, you have to have a solution that is solving some problem or is making it, it, it's, it's making people better in some way, whether it be a collaboration tool, whether it be, you know, some application, some business app that's being brought to market, you're solving some problem with that application. And then AI is infused into that app, into an existing workflow, whatever that might be in order to deliver a, a better customer experience, in order to deliver on improved productivity, cost reductions, whatever it might be. But that is really where AI is being infused, right? That's, no, that sounds right. It makes sense. And in fact, it even reminds me a little bit of what we heard Jenny say at Think, which is how you know, it isn't just about making your application smart. It's about having that smart show up in your workflow and in your decision making. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, another important thing that Jenny said in her in her think address is that 80 percent of data data is important because data fuels AI. But 80 percent of data that businesses have is, frankly, their data behind, you know, it's, it's within their enterprises used internally. It's not out there in the public on the web and whatnot. So unlocking these insights and then applying AI to the insights to deliver and improve customer experience, improve value, reduce cost, improve productivity, et cetera, are really the fundamental tenets of what Watson is all about. That's really what we're all about. Right. So, so what kind of tooling do you think, I mean, what kind of tooling do you think we'll need to to make those kind of changes? And, and, you know, do we have it all now? So like analytics, deep learning, I guess you heard a lot about deep learning Absolutely. Uh, and other stuff. You know, what do we need to drive those changes? So I think important is a is really a unified experience. I think it's really important to have a unified experience for creating solutions that leverage AI. OK, and that's a lot of what the Watson Studio announcements that we made at Think were about. It's all about enabling a build experience, the a, a unified content curation experience, regardless of persona, right? Because you, you know when you think about AI, there could be data scientists that are engaged. But truthfully, like one of the announcements that we made at Think was around enabling the creation of custom visual recognition models for our for our Watson VR solution within the studio context and. A lot of that is really not a data science task, right? It's much more of an analyst task. There's some developer tasks that are associated with it, but it's not data science. But so, but it's it's all about enabling a build experience based on the AI solution and the problems that businesses are trying to solve, you know, in a unified fashion. Okay, that makes sense. You know, a bunch of people, a bunch of personas will go to the studio and do kind of different things, but shared together. Exactly. Yep. Good. So, so these intelligent apps, the, the horizontal apps, and we'll keep bringing it back to that mm -hmm. title here, um, 
how are they going to change the way people work every day? So my my two senses is a couple of there's a couple ways that they will change the way that 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 people work every day. The first thing is one of the biggest barriers that businesses have informed us that they have in adopting AI solutions is frankly cost and then the ROI that they get in return. Right? Because, I mean, especially when you start talking about, you know, I mentioned content or data fueling AI. Data is a tough problem to wrestle with, right? I'm sure many of you who are listening to this can can understand that, right? And 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 taking a content corpus, um, it, let's call it curating that corpus, training models based on that corpus of content, it, it can be challenging. So what these horizontal apps and our strategy is all about is delivering a degree of pre-training aligned with domains and industries aligned with particular problems, particular workflows, enabling much more rapid time to value and then much more rapid return on investment, which in turn then makes it much easier for businesses to adopt AI to deliver value, right? That, that's that's overall or... So you don't need to spend all your time trying to figure it out. Somebody's done a lot of that work for you. Exactly, but I think it's also important that all of the businesses that are using these solutions, not all, that's, not, that's too broad, but many businesses who are using these solutions they will want to tailor it for for their businesses, right? Every business is unique, okay? So that's where that's where really Watson Studio and where we're heading with Watson Studio comes to play, right? The ability to create tailored experiences based on top of what we are providing out of the box is already pre-trained is absolutely a key value. And then also another key tenant of Watson is customer's data is customer's data. And the truth is, if you know, if the customers elect to not allow their content and data to train our models, they can do so. It's a it's a core tenant that's infused in everything that we do within Watson. So, Adam, ROI, return on investment, absolutely agree with. But you're probably you're probably going to reach out and hit me a slap when I say this. But pricing, really, pricing can't be a, a roadblock, right? Pricing yeah. on, especially with Watson, right? We've so much free tier, so much get on, try it out, see does it work. So when it comes to the ROI question, how do I figure out, is this really gonna work for me? Or how do I figure it? Do we have some tools around that? Or is, is there a way of easy getting, getting your head around it? Yeah, so it's an outstanding question. Um, so we do have some tools, okay? There's many more tools in the works as well. Um, you know, specifically, for example, ROI calculators, right? So, so to be able to, you know, take a set of metrics from a client, um, take a set of outcomes that we would expect to get and and show what the ROI would be over time. You're going to start seeing these tools um, appear on our Zacks page, ibm.biz slash Watson Zacks, Z-A-C-S, Zone for Accelerated Client Success. I mean, it, it's, a, it's actually a fairly sizable effort that we have underway right now um, within our both offering management and marketing teams to make sure we've got the right tools. Awesome. Okay. So... Okay. For me, really, this whole return on investment thing is a, is a big thing. It's so easy. It's so obvious. And sure, we can help you to understand that, right? But at what point do companies need to realize, Adam, that if they're not going to get on board with moving towards what essentially is the future of intelligent applications, at what point are we going to become obsolete? That's an outstanding question. Oh, two in a row. Yeah, two in a row. You guys, you know, you guys were talking about making me squirm. You guys are making me squirm. <laughs> nah, I mean, so, so I, I think... To answer the question, AI is truly being adopted by businesses 
to further enrich experiences and enrich people, enrich enrich people. Let's just call it that, okay, for lack of a better term. To bridge this divide between the the human nature at which has biases, dilemmas that we deal with every day, and the data side, cut through the data, which really starts showing facts, <clears throat> you know, and, and enabling the humans to better reason. Absolutely. So, yeah, so I think to answer your question, I think the time has come now where every business truly needs to explore AI solutions in some fashion, but every business is different, right? Every business has different priorities. I mean, yes, there's, yes, there's similarities in, in sectors and in domains, but every business has different priorities. But businesses would behoove themselves to, to explore solutions that we have because in the end, it will enable them to deliver more effectively for their clients, whatever their clients are. But Ian, to answer you specifically, I mean, it, the, the answer differs by business and by solution and where they're at in their life cycle. And you know, you have to take a persona-centric approach and explore, for example, what solutions to apply where based on the based on the strategy that the businesses have. Cool. I'm going to ask you an easy one, I think. I'm going to lob one last one here that'll nice. be an easy one, maybe. Um, I always like to ask a crystal ball question. Sure. Okay. And so you can make stuff up because yep. nobody really knows. So, I mean, in the next few years, where do you see IBM investing in these horizontal apps, these intelligent apps, maybe in the next two or three years? So I would say in the next couple of years, Adam's crystal ball is you're going to start seeing a lot more solutions in the customer care space. Okay. I mean, I think many of you are well aware of Watson Assistant. Uh, formerly known as Watson Conversation and Watson Virtual Agent. So the act of providing virtual assistance for customer care scenarios, um, but even thinking of it more broadly than just virtual assistance, everything from infusing you know, chat transcript analysis, analysis, looking at, for example, email and ticket automation techniques, I think you're going to start seeing a much broader set of customer care solutions. That's one. Compare and comply is another area that you're going to really start seeing many more solutions that come out of the Watson team that are focused on. And I think you have to think of compare and comply in this vein as more intelligent and more intelligent document management and parsing. So because compare and comply today is really all about contracts and regulations. The truth is there are so, so many different types of business processes and then content that's aligned with business processes. I mean, you know, for example, I'm sure many of you that are listening to this deal with answering RFPs every day. How challenging is it, for example, to look at an RFP and figure out what are ways that we've answered similar questions for similar RFPs in the past? It's a nightmare, right? Regardless of what databases you've got, regardless of who you know, it, it, it is a complete nightmare. So thinking of compare and comply as beyond contracts as well as regulations and starting to evolve more into processes such as answering RFPs and how we can use it more intelligently to answer RFPs, that's another area that we're going to start moving into. But I will also say that, that, the, that you're also going to see a lot of what I would call with Watson, okay? Um, with Watson is an initiative that we have, which is all about, simply put, it's embedding Watson within workflows, okay? Whether those be internal workflows that are coming out of teams like our security team and our Watson customer engagement team, or external workflows like, for example, LivePerson for digital messaging, 
for SAP Ariba that's looking at it, that's looking at compare and comply for contract analysis and management. So you're going to increasingly see Watson and AI infused in workflows, which frankly is exactly how customers are adopting the solutions anyway. So I like the idea of the RFPs. I remember the first Tivoli RFP I had to fill out had 230 questions. Yep. And all I could think was somebody must have answered those questions somewhere. Exactly. How come I had to do each one individually? Exactly. And the other thing to mention and to, to, to mention and to really expand on for everyone, I mean, I really cannot understate the importance of what we're doing with Watson Studio and how we're going to evolve that over the next few years. Okay. It is incredibly challenging for businesses to build solutions that leverage AI. It is challenging, right? We're apps is one of our strategies to, to help mitigate that. Studio is another strategy. I mean, there's many strategies, but studio is another strategy, right? To really enable that entire end-to-end experience and end-to-end workflow for a business. It could be multiple developers, multiple SMEs to build, curate, deploy AI technology within existing workflows or, with, or to even create new workflows. With it. I really cannot understate how much we're going to evolve to how much the Watson team overall, how much broader IBM is going to evolve into the studio concept. So, Steve, if you realize what Adam has done here, right, the last time we had him on the show, he talked a little bit about horizontal apps and never really told us exactly what it was. He comes on today, he tells us all about it, gets us really excited and then leaves us with, hey, guys, there's Whit Watson coming and Watson Studio even more. So I think you've well opened it up for another two episodes for our podcast, Adam. Begging another trip. <laughs> oh, nice. <All> right. <laughs> Adam, it was great to have you on the show today, buddy. Um, thanks so much for joining. Um, All right, thanks, guys. And guys, for myself and Steve, thanks for joining in. See you next time on the IBM Cloud Podcast. 